Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Come on, all over the room, stand up on your feet. Come on, can we lift that up to Jesus right now? Come on, has He been good to you? Come on, has there been any marriages restored in the room? Has there been anybody brought out of darkness into His marvelous light? Come on, lift up a shout of praise to Jesus right now. Hallelujah. Come on, I am fired up. I'm excited. You can be seated if you can. If you can't, we'll just do a Jericho march around the Britain Plaza. Some of y'all don't know about a Jericho march. But we'll do a Jericho march into the Publix, and you can do one at the Heights and in Brandon. We'll just do it. But, man, I am, I'm so excited and honored to share the Word of God with you tonight. And, uh, to, you know, this month is a very special month for uh, my wife and I because uh, it was about this time exactly one year ago. I hopped in my car in Hamilton, Alabama, drove to Walmart. And listen, it's a Walmart with one door, so you know how small of a town it is. Just the one entrance. And I walked into the hardware section and found a for sale sign and nailed it into the front yard of our home. Then we packed up a U-Haul truck. And on February 23rd, I remember driving that U-Haul, feeling like Jed Clampett. And we pulled in, and I saw the city of Tampa, and I just thought, Lord, what in the world? But I'm telling you, my wife and I are so honored to be a part of what God is doing here at Radiant Church. We are so grateful to be here. We've fallen in love with this church and with this city. And um, can we just give honor to Pastor Aaron Burke? He has been such a huge impact, and it continually is in my wife and I's life. So thank you so much for this honor to share the word with y'all tonight. And I'm excited to jump into this word tonight because I really, really believe it's a word from the Lord. And, uh, you know, even throughout the 20 days of prayer and fasting, I felt the Lord uh, lay this on my heart. I was uh, reading the Bible one morning, and it was like literally it just jumped out and just awakened in my heart. So I believe it's going to be a word for you. As we dive into this tonight, if you're taking notes, the title of this message is Stay Woke. Touch your neighbor and say, stay woke. Touch your other neighbor and say, stay woke. Now everybody say, hashtag, stay woke. <laughs> now if you don't know what woke is, it's one of those terms that maybe Pastor John Bothy can come up here and give us insight on. But, but it's a word meaning awaken. It means that you know what you're talking about. It means that you're, you know what you're doing. You're woke. You're a woke person. And, and I believe tonight the Lord's want to bring in a fresh level of awakening into our lives and a fresh level of revival. And if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 14, verse 32. Mark 14, 14 verse 32. And I'm going to, uh, before I set this up, I want to give you a little context to where I want to take this. Here at this moment, Jesus just got done meeting with his disciples. They have the Last Supper, and just like we did they, he institutes the Last Supper, and he says, this is my body, which is broken for you, and this is my blood, which I'm giving for you, and he goes to that, and then at the same time, he looks at his disciples and says, one of you will betray me this night, and obviously we know that was Judas Iscariot, and during this time, as I'm about to read this, things are beginning to set in motion to be the most crucial moment 
in the history of the world. Literally, this is the moment where Jesus is being betrayed. He's, Judas is literally setting up, getting the soldiers to come and take him. And we find Jesus taking three of his closest friends into the garden of Gethsemane. And we find them there together. And we can read in verse 32, and it says this. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. And he went a little bit further, fell on the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father. All things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is Week. Verse 39, and again he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he said the third time, are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. The Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And this story, is, if you read it, you can find the intensity of what's happening. Literally, Jesus goes to his disciples, his closest friends. These are his boys. And he tells them, listen, stay right here. Watch and pray. I'm going to go over here and pray. Now, if you've, if you've ever been to Gethsemane, which I, we have a team going from Radiant to Israel next week, and they're going to have a blast. It's going to be amazing. And the Garden of Gethsemane is a real place. And I was there a couple of years ago. And it's, it's a uh, it's not really a big place. So if you are on one side, Jesus was probably, one of the translations says he was a stone's throw away. So he's over here. His disciples are over there. And you can see the anguish that Jesus is in. And literally, he's there and he's saying, oh God. And literally, the Bible says that he, his sweat became of drops of blood. And he's saying, God, if it's your will, let this cup be passed from me. He was talking about the cross that he was about to go to. Literally, he was about to endure the sins of humanity. And he's broken and saying, God, if it's your will, let it be passed from me. Nevertheless, not I will, but your will be done. And I wonder if in that moment, you know, let's just be honest. Sometimes when you're in prayer meetings, you kind of do like the glance at other people. <laughs> Amen. Like. You know, some of y'all, y'all in worship, you're worshiping like this, and you're looking over at Bay. We all do it. I know what you do it. And I wonder if in that moment, Jesus, he's crying out literally. He, he's, he's weeping. He's in the darkest moment of his life. And he's expecting to hear the sound of his friends praying for him. And he looks, and he noticed they haven't moved in a few minutes. Lord, I just, if it, and I wonder if in that moment he was expecting to hear the sound of passionate prayers on his behalf, but he heard the sound of snoring. 
And you can see Jesus kind of like, what are you doing? Like, listen, they would have heard Jesus crying out, but they fell asleep. And, and, and what I'm afraid of is that in the hour that Jesus needs us the most, we're asleep. And, and the hour that he needs us to pray and the hour that he needs us to stand for him, we're asleep. And, you know, I, I look out and a couple weekends ago we had Gasparilla, my first Gasparilla as a Tampa citizen. Yeah, y'all, I wasn't ready. I was thinking there was going to be some floats with some, like, Tootsie Rolls being thrown out. There were some other Tootsie Rolls being thrown out, but we ain't going to talk about that tonight. You know who you are. Come on, somebody. And, and me and Alex and Jamie, we were uh, handing out water to some thirsty people, but not that kind of thirsty. I'm telling you, they just keep on rolling tonight. We were, we were there. And I'm telling you, I, number one, I was like, man, the, the fishnet market must have really went up. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody had fishnets on. Grown men with fishnets. Babies with fishnets. It was weird. And, you know, I was there and, you know, I, I, I was a little bit shook. I'm not going to lie. And, and then my heart just began to break. Because here, you know, here we have in this city thousands of people. I saw grown men who were probably like CPAs, dressed as pirates, with a fifth of vodka, stumbling around like they're 15 years old. And I literally, I'll just. My heart began to break because I saw them and I saw people who were looking for fulfillment in the things of the world and yet they're looking for it in a bottle and they will never be able to find it. I'm telling you, God's moving in this city. We've only just begun, but I'm telling you guys, in order for us to see the fullness of what God wants to do, we've got to stay woke. In order for us to see the fullness of what God wants to do in this city, we've got to to stay woke, and, and I want to give you three ways that you can stay woke tonight. Three ways that you can stay woke. The first one is this, don't get comfortable. Now, I'm going to pull some parallels from my natural sleep life. So if you're struggling in the area of sleep, you might get blessed in that area too. So you might get a, a new sleep pattern, amen. And, you know, I... Whenever I think about this, when we look at our own personal life, now there's two types of sleepers in the room. There are the normal average sleeper like me. I like to have things a certain way. I like to have my noisemaker turned on, amen, or a fan set on medium. <laughs> and then you have the cat sleepers. Now, what's a cat sleeper, you might ask? 
This is the litmus test of whether or not you're a cat sleeper. Can you sleep on an airplane? You are a cat sleeper. They're just like twisted and contorted. They can just fall asleep anywhere at any position. I can't sleep on an airplane. It's the hardest thing in the world. One time I took like four melatonin and I was just really grumpy and tired the whole time. It's impossible. Now, there's some people that you can just sleep anywhere. I'm not that type of person. I've got to get comfortable. I've got to find that place where everything's just right, the atmosphere's right, the bed's right, everything. Anybody with me on that? You've got to have it all dialed in. And listen, in our own spiritual lives, when we find ourselves pursuing comfort above the call of God, we'll find ourselves falling back into spiritual complacency. And you know, it's funny, we're creatures of, we're, we're creatures of comfort. We love to be comfortable. Like, you know, our, our, our seeds, like in the winter, they're warmed. In the summer, they're cooled. Amen. Like, we love to be comfortable. And I'm afraid that our culture of comfort has slipped into our Christianity. And Jesus never promised us a life of comfort. He didn't say, if any man desires to come after me, good luck, because it's going to be always comfy. You better get ready. It's like we, sometimes we have this picture of Jesus as like Bob Ross. Like just like this hippie instructor who does hot yoga and like, hi, everybody. Like, hey, if you know what, it's all good in the hood. You want to go to heaven? Sure. Just a pretty little bird right there. Like that, that's the picture that we have of Jesus. But can I tell you, listen, there's some times in, Jesus, in the Bible where you'll find Jesus was like the chief of awkward situations. There's one time where literally a huge multitude of people was following him. And all of a sudden he gets this like word to preach. Literally, there's, all, there's thousands of people. And he's like, oh, guys, I got a word. Have everybody sit down. If anybody wants to be my disciple... You've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Line up, baby. Like, literally. And people were like, oh, I got it. My mom just called. I got to go. And he looks at his disciples. He's like, does this offend you? Good. Literally. Another time she says, hey, does anybody want to be my disciple? And his disciples are like, oh, no. Like, oh, you got to hate your mother and father. In this instance, Luke 9, 23 says this, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Everybody say himself. And let him take up his cross and follow me. Listen, we are called to deny ourselves, And that self-nature is the thing that desires comfort above Jesus. It's that thing in you, that, that little voice in the morning, your alarm clock goes off, and you know you need to spend time with Jesus, and you hit the snooze button. That's that flesh nature. You know, when, when you go and you're wanting to pursue the things of God, or you're wanting to go attend that group, and you find yourself just, you know what, I'm just going to order Domino's and binge watch Netflix. That's that flesh nature on the inside of us. I'm telling you, God has used Apple to convict me so strong. Y'all know what I'm talking about. 
It was, a, it was probably last year. I was just minding my own business and my phone buzzed. And it said, weekly screen time report. I didn't ask for that. I didn't, I didn't put my email for you to tell me that information. And when it first popped up, I was like, that doesn't say four hours a day, does it? And I began to look through it, and I began to, oh, what? In, I'm spending four hours a day on my phone? On Instagram looking at memes? <laughs> you do it too? Like, literally, like, I'm spending four hours a day, and listen, here, listen to this throat punch right here. This is so good. John Piper puts it like this. He says, one of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. Because wow. <laughs> how many times have I, literally, there was one time I was praying and I was like, Lord, this has been a crazy week. I was like, Lord, I just feel like I don't have time. I just felt the Lord look at me like, <laughs> He literally gave me that look like, don't have time. Sweetheart, let's pull up your Netflix account. Let's pull up your Instagram. I, listen, guys, I believe that every single person in this room is called to do something great. But if we are just pursuing lives of comfort, we're going to miss it. The things that are worth the most in the kingdom of God will be on the other side of your discomfort. Man, I was so, this week we, we started groups and we, we had a group on Tuesday morning, 6.30 a.m. I was so stirred in my heart, man. There were guys that, that I, I've never even met before. They just went online, signed up for a group, showed up 6.30 a.m., hungry to hear the Lord of God. I'm sure they sat there and thought, man, do I really want to get up that early? But you know what? They did. Why? Because on the other side of your discomfort is growth. Are you willing to do what's uncomfortable to grow? We can't get comfortable. The second thing you got to do is this. Stay hot. Everybody say hot. Everybody's like, come on, I can do that. All right. You got to stay hot. Now, is anybody else like this? Like, I can't sleep in a hot room. Ugh. And you got to, you could do the one leg thing. And you're like sweating and tossing and the sheets are sticking to you. You're just like, like miserable. But on the other hand, I can't sleep if I'm too cold. I need to be warm. So I get under that. Here's the perfect thing. I need to have the room cold. You know what I'm saying? The AC running, the fan blowing on medium. And I get under that thick, goose-down comforter, and you're just like, ah. And just my head sticking out, and your nose is running a little bit, but you're like, ah. You know what I'm saying? I need to be warm. Now, let me put this into spiritual terms. Like, what does it mean to be lukewarm? Being lukewarm is when you just add a little bit of hot to your cold so you're not burning, you're not going after the things of God, you're not on fire for Jesus, but at the same time, you're not like a hellion. 
You're not like cussing the cat and kicking the dog and, you know, going streaking down Howard on Friday nights. Like that, you know what I'm saying? You're not there, but at the same time, you're not here. You're just warm. It's all good. I got my Willy Wonka golden ticket to heaven. I'm good. I'm a good person. I try to do the right things. And I know I'm not living to the fullness of what God's called me to be. But at the same time, I'm not there. I'm just warm. And listen, let me break that down. Let me break this down to you. What does it mean? I know on fire for God can be a little bit of like a Christianese term. What does it mean to be on fire for God? It simply means to be passionate for the things of God. To be passionate for the things of God. Now, here's another thing about us. We are all passionate people. Every single one of us is passionate about something. The problem is we're just passionate about stupid stuff. Amen. We're all passionate. You're passionate. The laziest person in this room is passionate about something. They're passionate about sleep. You're, listen, we're all passionate about something. You know, like people will literally take their shirts off in the middle of winter and paint their stomachs for their favorite football team. Go into a stadium and sit on cold, hard bleachers and scream until they lose their voice. They're passionate. And those same people will look at somebody in the front row of a church dancing and going after God and say, well, it don't take all that. You just need to calm down. We'll see somebody pursuing God. We'll see somebody dancing. And they, oh, come on, somebody. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm not going to let somebody show me up in passion for football compared to my passion for Jesus. Come on, because I remember what he brought me out of. I remember the pornography addiction. He broke off my life. I remember him calling me out of darkness, and he's worthy of my praise. He's worthy of my adoration. He's worthy of my passion. Come on, somebody. Give him some praise in here. I'm not going to let the Bolts get a better shout than Jesus. And I love the Bolts. I've never been to a game, but I love them. Go Bolts. But when I think about it, what he did for me on the cross, and I think about when even while I was yet a sinner, he died for me. Even when I didn't deserve it, he died for me. And he went to the cross, and he went to the whipping post for me. It causes something to start moving in my heart. I can't contain it. You say, well, Jacob, you're just one of those Alabama Pentecostals. True. True. You're just one of them radicals. No, 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 I'm not radical. I'm biblically normal. No, no, it ain't radical what you see. It's just the natural byproduct of being in love with Jesus. I know I'm going to get a little bit loud. I know I'm going to get a little bit rowdy because he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Come on. Lift that up to Jesus right now. Oh. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like preaching tonight. Woo. Somebody get up on the organ right now. 
because I'm reminded of a woman who the Bible says she was known as a sinner. She heard that Jesus was in the house. She heard Jesus was in there, and the Bible says she had a reputation. She was a sinner. The Bible says that she walked in. She busted into a party that wasn't hers because Jesus was in the room. And what did she do? She pulled out an alabaster box full of fragrant oil. She didn't want to just give him a sprinkle. She broke it. I'm not holding anything back. I'm giving everything for you, Jesus. And what happened? People looked at her. The disciples looked at her and said, what a waste. You wasted it on Jesus. Listen, if I'm going to waste something, it's going to be on Jesus. I'm not going to waste my affection on the things of this world. I'm not going to waste my energy on the things that are going to fade away. I'm going to give it all for Jesus. I'm going to pour it out on him because of what he's done in my life. The last thing that I want to leave you with tonight is you've got to stay in the light. Because if you're like me, you can't sleep in a lit room. Amen. Like, if there's even, like, a blinking, like, fire alarm, I just lay in bed and look at it. Like, literally, I've, like, been in hotel rooms and, like, hung shirts over stuff. Like, I, I can't do it. And if the room is bright, I can't sleep in there. And what I found is complacency and compromise go hand in hand. You might say, well, what's compromise? Compromise is... When we try to get around what the Word of God says. Well, it's not really sin. You know, we're, I know I'm married. I'm not really flirting. We're just friends. No, they're your work spouse. Well, you know, like, it's not really. I didn't get, like, drunk. I got a little bit tipsy, you know what I'm saying? A little bit tipsy, you know? Listen, I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to see how close I can get. I, whenever we find compromise in our lives and we're trying to get around what the Bible says or the Word of God says, that will breed a complacency within our lives. And listen, when sin begins to manifest in our lives, the first initial reaction is to hide. The first response in our lives is to hide what we're doing from God. I don't want you to see my issues. Remember, remember Adam and Eve when they fell in the garden? What did they do? They heard God coming. And what should have been a response of joy, what should have been a response of God is coming. Let's go see God. Let's go be with God. Instead, they hid. Because sin produces shame. And shame will drive you into the dark. I'm telling you, shame kills more Christians. That thing in you that says, no, I'm, I need to keep my junk hidden. I need to keep it in the dark. Listen, I want to tell you tonight, there's nothing. Listen, there's no sin that God's afraid of. Your sin issue is not going to intimidate God. It's not you're going to be like, God, I struggle with this. And he's like, oh. 
Gabriel, get the lightning bolts ready. It doesn't shock God. And listen, this is what I've learned about sin. Sin is brutal. Sin will draw you in, entice you with something good, then expose you to the world. And you got two choices. I can either take that sin and expose it to God or let the sin expose itself. I'd rather expose it to God who's rich in mercy, abounding in loving kindness. Because he promises this. If you confess your sins to him, he is faithful and just to cleanse you of all your sins and all of your unrighteousness. It's time for you to come out of the dark. It's time for you to come out of that darkness into who God's called you to be. Now, I am, you know, when I think about being awakened, let's just be honest, for a lot of us, it's like the worst part of the day. You can, you can admit to that. So we have kids, a five and a three-year-old, and every morning, before the sun is up, they SWAT team kick the door in. <laughs> Wake up! Give me food! You know what I'm saying? It's never really fun. And you know what's really not fun? Have you ever had, you know, the, the, the uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed people who, like, come in the room and they, like, flip the light on while you're sleeping? You know, my dad, when, when we were growing up, my dad, um, there were times where my mom would have to go into work early. Normally, she would wake us up, and, you know, she was always so great about it, Like, hey, guys, come on, wake up. And we would go downstairs and watch Saved by the Bell before school started. It's just, you know, good. But, you know, when my dad had to wake us up, first thing I'd do is turn the lights on. Then he'd rip our blankets off. And we didn't like it. This an awakening isn't very fun sometimes. Sometimes it irks you a little bit. Sometimes it's hard to go from being comfortable to oh, being awakened. But listen, tonight I, I, I hear the alarm clock of heaven going off. And the Lord is trying to wake you up. Because you've got an appointment with your calling. You've got an appointment with your destiny. There's purpose on the inside of you. And God is calling out saying, wake up, wake up. Now is the time. Get out of bed because I've got something for you. But even then, even then, you can, everybody stand up. Even then, you can say, well, Pastor, yes, yes. You know, I feel that purpose, and I know Jesus needs me. You know, I felt called to ministry at one point, but, but, but that divorce, it killed that enemy. It's dead. That calling's dead. That purpose is dead. You know, I, I, was, I was here doing this in ministry, but, but people started lying about me, and they, they stabbed me in the back, and when that happened, my purpose died too. I've been battling this hidden addiction for so long, and I used to feel called to preach, but not, not anymore. 
Baby, you know, when I was a little girl, I felt called to preach, but then somebody told me I wasn't allowed to do that because I was a girl. And, you know, it's just dead. It's dead. It's dead. I mean, it's dead. But I'm reminded of a story in the Bible where there was a father by the name of Jairus whose daughter was sick. And he goes and he gets Jesus and says, you've got you've to pray for my daughter. She's sick and dying. So Jesus says, yes, we'll go. And as they're going, someone comes out and meets Jesus and says, hey, hey, don't even trouble the master anymore. Don't trouble Jesus anymore because your daughter has died. And some of you are even like that. You know, Jesus, just, no, 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 just, just give me a good, comfortable life. I, I used to dream about changing the world. I used to dream about doing missions. I used to dream about being a part of a church in revival. But you know what? I, it died. And I love how Jesus responds. In that moment, Jairus is crushed. He's hurt. He's broken. His hope is gone. And Jesus looks at him and says, no, 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 no. She's not dead. She's only sleeping. And I came to tell some people tonight, your calling isn't dead. It's only sleeping. Your purpose isn't dead. It's only sleeping. And the Lord is saying, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here tonight and you say, that's me. There's some things in my life that are dead. I'm not living for the Lord like I should. I'm not on fire for Jesus like I should be. I'm not spending time with him like I should be, but oh, I want to. I feel the call. I feel the tug of God in my heart to do that, and I want to say yes to that tonight. I want you to slip your hand up in the air right now. Just slip your hand up in the air right now. Come on. All, all across each location, just slip that hand up right now. I just see that right now. Dead things are coming back to life. Dead things are coming back to life. That dream you had is coming back to life. That purpose you had is coming back to life. That word that God gave you when you were at church camp as a teenager is coming back to life. Right now, all over the room, if you feel comfortable, if we could just lift both hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, you see us here. You see us here. Hands lifted as a sign of surrender. And Lord, we say, wake us up. Remove the snooze buttons out of our life. Let the alarm clock ring in our life until we get up and get moving. Lord, I pray that this people would be a people that lives for you all day, every day, that we would pursue you with all of our hearts, that we'd go after the people of the city with everything we got. In the mighty name of Jesus, somebody shout amen. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.